This is the Apex United Methodist Church podcast. Good morning. Let us pray. May I speak in the words of the living God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Amen. Without question, the best thing about driving down I-95 South are the billboards. It's, it's not the every half-mile reminder that we're getting close to Pedro and south of the border that I love. It's the billboards from God. So loud. So clear. I've always wanted God to speak by way of billboard or to at least communicate in ways that are easy to see and specific. I would like for God to enunciate when delivering a message, giving frequent and explicit directions. And I'm not ruling out that God communicates with other people in this way, and I'm not ruling out that God might one day even speak to me in this way, but in my experience, God has tended to be more subtle. Today's story that you just heard is one about God speaking in more subtle ways from the book of 1 Kings. And when we meet Elijah in this story, he's in the middle of a desert, he's distraught, he's terrified. He has served as a prophet to Israel, as a person who names what they see in the world, a person who calls God's people back to home with God, and people want to kill him for it. Now, Elijah's no saint, let's be honest. He is hot off of a killing spree of several hundred rival prophets, and he's made the king and queen of Israel very angry. Ahab and Queen Jezebel are intent on murdering him, on silencing Elijah, and he's exhausted. Naming what's broken in the world, pointing people toward a way of holiness, calling people back home to God, even if we disagree with some of his methods, is wearisome work. When nobody likes what you have to say, when nobody wants to hear you. So Elijah collapses in the desert, and he says to God, Please just take my life. I've had enough. And you may have seen this tweet floating through the interwebs, but when Elijah offers this plea to God, God offers him something to eat, tells Elijah to sleep, which he does, and he gains enough strength to keep going, eventually finding himself in a cave at the top of Mount Horeb. And God says to him on top of the mountain, why are you here? And Elijah's response is a little whiny and self-important. I have been quite the prophet for God. While everyone else is going around willy-nilly ignoring your commands, I alone have been faithful. In fact, there's nobody left. And now they want to kill me too. So the Lord says to Elijah, go stand outside. And Elijah stood outside the cave and a strong wind passed before him, so strong that it broke rocks. And then an earthquake passed before him and then a fire passed before Elijah, but God was not in the midst of any of them, the story tells us. After all of these things had passed, there was a sound, gentle, thin and quiet 
the story says, a still, small voice, it's been described. Elijah heard it, and he wrapped his face, perhaps because he knew that God was near. Why are you here? The voice asked Elijah again. You might think that the the three stunning natural forces right outside his cave might have drawn Elijah back to his senses, or, or even that the thin, quiet voice that he was straining to hear might have changed Elijah's responses, but they did not. You might think that Elijah would have said, I'm here because I need help. I'm confused and scared, and while I have often tried my best, I have also failed. And I am here for a a word from you that will sustain me or orient me, or maybe even just to hear you say that you love me. Maybe Elijah could have said, I am here to listen. That's not how it went. Elijah repeats himself word for word as though God was just hard of hearing the first time. I have been quite the prophet, God. While everyone else was going around willy-nilly, ignoring your commands, I alone have been faithful. In fact, there's no one left, and now they want to kill me too. Maybe in that thin, quiet, Elijah heard God sigh. You came all this way? Walked for months through the desert, up a mountain, not to hear me, but to hear yourself? You came for a billboard, Elijah, for loud, explicit answers to your problems, not for the thin, quiet, not for the still, small voice. Okay, Elijah, I can't speak into your fear, into your failure. I can't speak a word that will sustain you or orient you. I'm not even sure that I can tell you that I love you if your only agenda is to rant and complain, to talk me into doing whatever it is you think I ought to be doing. So God gives Elijah some instructions on new political leaders that he should crown once he gets back to town, and then he tells Elijah that it's time to retire. When you get back, he says, transfer the mantle of prophet onto the shoulders of Elisha. It seems best if you put your profiting days behind you. It would be easy to condemn Elijah if he weren't so much like us. To be honest, when I take the time to approach God, it's most often to whine, to complain, to remind God to do that thing that I asked God to do the last time I was there. Like Elijah, we continue to expect that God will say what we want God to say, when we want God to say it, and how we want God to say it. And that is, of course, assuming that I am taking the time to show up for a conversation with God at all, to listen to God, to create enough of a pause between my monologues and my frantic movement for God to get a word in edgewise. I meet once a month with a spiritual director whose work it is to help me listen to the thin quiet voice of the holy. And every time we meet, Karen will begin by saying, let's sit in silence and remember that God is with us. And every time she says it, 
I realize that it's been exactly one month since I last sat in silence. The last time that Karen said, let's sit in silence and remember that God is with us. And in those brief 30 seconds, 45, I tried to breathe. But mostly I want to crawl out of my skin. What am I so afraid of, I wonder? What if in the silence, in the thin quiet, God does speak? What if I don't like what I hear? What if I don't understand? What if I understand just fine, but I don't know how to act? What if, and maybe this is the worst fear of all, what if I wait for God to speak and God never says a word? So rather than risk the outcome, I just keep talking, keep moving, keep traipsing through my metaphorical desert, stomping around while muttering, I guess God just doesn't have anything to say to me. I wonder what might happen if we stepped into the thin quiet a little more often, waited for God to speak in more subtle ways rather than praying for a billboard or a megaphone, rather than expecting God to say what we want God to say, when we want God to say it, and how we want God to say it. Maybe a few times a week to sit in that silence just for a minute. Or I wonder what we might hear if we read a line or two from Scripture and then reread them and then read them again just to see if those ancient holy words might rise up from the page to say to us what God actually wants us to hear. I wonder what might happen if we got quiet enough for God's gentle, subtle movements to move around us. We might just end up like my friend who had so much practice listening for God that everything began to speak. Like the empty room in her house, the one that just seemed to call out to her and to her husband as they walked past it and saw it vacant. They weren't sure why, but they kept listening. And one week in worship, they heard their pastor read that passage of Scripture where Jesus says, whoever has two shirts should share with the one who only has one. And they squirmed in the pew because the image of that empty room came to mind. And it wasn't an audible voice speaking to them, but there was something in that thin quiet that seemed to be saying something. And at the same time, they always seemed to be hearing about the foster care system, how it was flooded with children who needed homes, even temporary homes. And they heard about the huge influx of children coming into the system whose parents were being deported. In that empty room, it came to mind again. And it wasn't an audible voice speaking to them, but there was something in that thin quiet that seemed to be saying something. And so they signed up for the classes, the ones that would allow them to serve as foster parents, just to see, just to see if in that thin quiet, if there was anything more to say to them as they sat in those classrooms. And then once they finished the class, they had their background checked, they had their home inspected, you know, just just in case. 
But they told their social worker, we've researched and we've learned that it's best to have a child who's younger than our children. It's best not to disrupt birth order. So we'll, we'll consider taking a child if it's only one child and only if he or she is younger than our children. But then Christmas came. And they went to worship and their pastor read a story about a pregnant mother who had her baby in a stable because there was no room at the inn. And about that time, they got a phone call. Two siblings, five and 17, not one but two, not in the right birth order. But they need a place. They don't have a place. The empty room, the stable, the flood of children, never an audible voice, never a loud megaphone sound, not a billboard, no explicit directions, but always that thin, quiet voice saying, something. I got a text from that friend a few weeks after the Christmas service, and it had a picture of an iced birthday cake. The text said, I'm throwing a surprise birthday party for a 17-year-old. I think this might be the most important work I've ever done. Now, lest you think that this is one of those preacher stories where the good, faithful person gets quiet and and listens for God and discovers their calling and then all is well. That's not this story. Listening for God led my friends to places that were painful and hard. They loved and they learned and they made mistakes. And sometimes the room was empty and sometimes it was full and they wept every time a child came into their home and every time that child walked out the door, wondering if they had done the right thing, wondering if there was more that they could have done. But that thin, quiet, gentle voice of God would not let them go. The voice was there to say, whatever it is, I'm here. Even when you're following me into places you might not choose, even when my voice is so quiet that you're not sure what I'm saying. I wonder. I wonder what God might say if we were listening. Maybe it will be nothing more than have a snack and take a nap. Or hug your kids or forgive yourself or, hey... I love you. No agenda. Just love, pure delight. The truth of the matter is there's no telling what God will speak into the thin quiet. We may not like what we hear. We may not understand. We may understand just fine but not know how to act. We may wait for God to speak and God may not say a word. But surely, it is better than the hell of listening to the chatter of our own voices and our own agendas all day long. What might God say if we were listening? In the name of the living God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Amen.